You will fail. So what? Everybody does. But your gym, your watch, your yoga pants, they pretend you won't. So when you miss a day, eat the pancakes. Give up on a workout? You failed? Seriously, what the hell? We're body. We've been a part of that too, but not anymore. At body, we're rejecting perfection and embracing reality. Not in a pizza Monday kind of way, in a loving your whole life kind of way. In a, this workout is fun and it's okay if I take a week off kind of way. In an, I'm eating healthy and it's okay if I indulge kind of way. In a, I like myself no matter what kind of way. Yeah, you will fail. We all will. But we're not going to let that be the end. You see that? We're already making progress. So let's keep going. We are body. Start your free trial at body.com. That's B O D I dot com. Real moms are bravo. Real moms are bravo. Real moms are bravo. Real moms are bravo. Welcome to Real Moms of Bravo. We are so excited. We have a very special guest. I think all of the moms listening are going to love our next guest. We have Megan, the toddler expert. Um, also, Megan, the toddler shop. Megan Pearson is joining us today. Thank you so much, Megan. Oh, well, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited to speak with you both. Megan, for those of you who aren't familiar with your amazing account, what can you tell them a little bit about yourself? Perfect. So I run um, at Instagram. I am Megan underscore toddler shop, and I have a master's in early childhood special education. So I've been working with toddlers for almost the last 20 years. Um, and I started really researching uh, potty training, behavior and sleep. So I do a lot. I also am toddler shop at sleep shop OC. So I am do sleep, um, kind of toddler sleep uh, with sleep shop. And then I also am the founder of potty shop OC. So I'm potty shop OC.com. And I also do a lot of behaviors. I have to say, I texted a lot of our friends first and we put, uh, a question box on our Instagram out to all of our followers, but all of my friends uh, were very excited for this episode because the toddler years are great, but they're, they're hard. I mean, I have a three-year-old and a two-year-old and I feel like as one is kind of getting out of a phase, the other just goes right into it. And it's uh, very exhausting. It is very exhausting. The toddler years are very tough. And especially during this pandemic, I think that toddlers have been hit really harder than anybody and I think that that is due to the fact that we can't really communicate what is going on, you know, with our toddlers. Literally a year ago today, you know, we picked our kids up from school and a lot of them have not returned. So for toddlers, I think that, you know, on top of toddlers just being, you know, sometimes difficult and, you know, having behaviors, now we're adding a pandemic on top of it and, you know, trying to social distance them and if they're having to wear masks. So there's just a lot going on for toddlers right now in our world. And to that, what would you recommend if someone's like, I don't know how to, you know, talk to my kids about it, or they're having a lot of questions. I know we just keep calling it the virus. I don't know if that's the mm -hmm. best way to refer to it, but it is kind of hard to even know what to call it for kids. It's very difficult with young kids. And this goes along with, you know, if there's either a death or a tragedy in your family, I always say, definitely you want to be honest with your kids. You want to keep it short and keep it simple and have an exit strategy. 
So you don't want to lie and say, no, there's nothing going on in the world right now when absolutely the whole world has been flipped upside down. So you need to you know, tell your toddlers that yes, there is, like you said, you can say, there's a virus going around that you know, some people are getting sick. Mommy and daddy, or you know, mommy, daddy, whoever is in the home will always protect you. Um, if you have any questions, always come to mommy and then have an exit strategy. Like, let's go play Play-Doh. Because you don't want a toddler to start perseverating on an issue but you want to let them know that you are their safe zone, that if they have questions, if they are scared and you can let them know, it's okay if you're afraid, it's okay if you're scared, mommy is here. That's really great advice. And I try to practice, practice that with my toddler, even if she said she's scared of, scared of monsters or scared of the dark or scared of something, I try to say, you know, it's okay, you're safe. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be scared. Let them kind of feel their feelings a little bit. Definitely. You always want to validate their feelings in any emotion they're feeling, whether it be a tantrum, whether they are scared of the dark, um, whether they're super happy. It's always like, wow, you know, I see that you're, you know, really happy or I see that you're sad. You know, mommy gets sad sometimes also. And always kind of bring it back to also letting your toddler know that you feel those feelings and that other people feel those feelings so that they're not alone in their feelings. You talked about tantrums. I think that's what a lot of people think of when you talk about the toddler years and disciplining is really challenging because sometimes one, it's hard to get their attention, especially if you have the toddlers that are past the phase where you can distract them with something else, but also they start to develop their little personalities and you want them. I feel like I want to embrace the fact that they might be not bossy, but they might be just more direct and that's part of like who they're naturally going to be. And I don't want them to feel like there's something wrong with that. But how do you help like steer some of these behaviors like bossiness or talking back? How do you help kind of like steer, steer it back to like a positive without limiting, trying to explore their personality? Right. And I love that you said that because the last thing that we want to do is crush their spirit. No matter if you have a very calm child or you have a child that is full of life and full of different emotions, you never want to crush their spirit for having a tantrum or acting out. And the number one thing to remember going into toddlerhood is that tantrums are a normal part of behavioral development. So if you have a child that you're really struggling with and they're, they're, they're very demanding, they may seem bossy, they are fighting for control, that's what they should be doing. So a toddler's job is to you know, explore their environment and test the boundaries. So they're really looking for us as their parents and their role models to give them those boundaries. So until they have firm boundaries, they're going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and testing to see, okay, what, what is expected of me? What can I do until they know this is what is expected of me? Um, And like I said, a lot of toddlers are just fighting for control. So anytime we as parents can give them the control, it's going to really help with the bossiness or the tantrum. So in giving them control is very simple, giving them choices in life, even down to when you're getting them dressed in the morning. So it's, hey, Bobby, you know, you lay out two, you know, two, two outfits. What outfit do you want to wear today? Instead of us always just saying, here's your outfit, get dressed, do this, do that. Um, and also have using a lot of visuals with our toddlers will really help. I tell a lot of parents, you know, can you imagine if you woke up in the morning and you didn't have a calendar and all day long, people were just throwing things at you like, oh, you're supposed to be here. Now you're supposed to do this. You would feel so out of sorts. And a lot of times our toddlers, the reason that they act out is because they feel out of sorts and they don't know what to expect. 
So creating a simple visual schedule for them during the day with always pairing pictures with words for early literacy is very helpful, especially because that way you can front load your toddler with what is coming next. If they're having a difficult time transitioning to school, then you really want to put on their visual you know, schedule. First you get dressed, then we eat breakfast, then it's school. So they can start to kind of organize their day. And also with, you know, with the bossiness or with the control factor, um, using a timer with kids. I always say just get a cheap, you know, kitchen timer on Amazon that you can set the time. You can always have your toddler help you set the time so they know, you know, okay, you know, Bobby, we're going to set the timer. So in five minutes, it's time to leave. So they can watch the time going down and they know that there's a start and an end to something that, okay, I'm doing an you know, an activity now, but in five minutes when the timer goes off, that's when I'm transitioning to the next activity. So anytime we can kind of front load our kids, that will really help with just the tantrums, with the meltdowns. And when our kids are being bossy, that's definitely okay. And we want to start just thinking about how can we validate the behaviors that we want to see. So when your child is acting appropriate, it's like, wow, um, you know, Sarah, I love how you're playing so nicely with your doll, or I love how you, um, you know, just gave your younger sister your toy. Anything, anytime you can find your toddler doing something you want to see them doing, you want to praise them for that. So they start realizing, oh, I'm getting attention for what is good and trying to avoid giving them a ton of attention when they are, you know, acting out or being bossy. I love that. I wish I would have had that advice uh, two years ago, but my oldest, so I mentioned I have a three-year-old and he is now moving into the phase where the tantrums are few and far between, which is great. But now we're in like a lying phase where it's just something blatant, like, you know, did you put your shoes away? And he'll say, yes. And I'll see them in the middle of the floor. And like, he, and he'll look at them too and see that they're there. And I'm really struggling with, I mean, talking about why it's important to tell the truth, but how to kind of emphasize that with him. Right. And that is also a very natural kind of part of development for kids. A lot of times he's probably not even really paying attention. So he's just like, yes or no. Um, a lot of times they will do very elaborate lies that you know absolutely cannot be true. Um, when that happens, you always want to validate them. So you want to get down on their level and you can just reiterate, you know, mommy asked you if you had put your shoes on. And then you can bring it back to him. Can you find your shoes still on the floor? And if they can find the shoes on the floor, say, oh, okay. I know that you meant, oh, your shoes are on the floor. And kind of ignore, don't do that. Oh, you're lying. That's lying. But just kind of flip it around and do a lot of role playing with it. So if, you know, especially with simple things like, you know, did you put your shoes away? Did you, you know, put your plate away at, for dinner? And you can clearly see the plate is still there. Then you can do it with them. Oh, I, I, I think you meant your plate is still here. Let me help you put it away. So you just kind of guide them through, you know, the situation that way where they may or may not have been paying attention. They may be trying to lie to see if they're going to get a reaction out of you. A lot of times toddlers don't, they don't care if they get a positive or, you know, a negative reaction in the, at the moment. They just want to see if they're going to get a big reaction. So if you don't give them a big reaction for that and you just, you know, steer back to, oh, let me help you because I do see your shoes are still right there and forget about it. They're not really getting anything out of, 
you know, telling the lie. And just know that when communication is developing, it's very normal for kids to kind of fabricate or tell a story. That's all just a normal part of their, their development, their language development. That's- I have a question for you, kind of related a little bit, but different. So um, I also have a three-year-old and she also has a new baby sister. Um, mm-hmm. Camila is about now eight months old, but she's, I feel like Mia before Camila arrived was regressing a little bit and doing baby talk and she still mm-hmm. does it a little bit more now. And to be honest, the baby talk drives me bonkers. Um, but I try to like, I try to think and channel my therapist and I'm like, she has a need given to that need. But, um, any, any advice on that? Well, no way. It just kind of drives me a little crazy a little bit. I know it drives every mom loony. Don't worry. And what your daughter is actually doing is she's trying to revert to a safe time in her life. So, you know, talking like a baby is a safe zone. It's a safe time. And, you know, she's probably getting attention for it. And she's starting to act like the baby because the baby gets attention. So she, in her mind is thinking, what can I do to act like the person that is getting the attention? And then she goes back to the safe time of, oh, well, babies get attention. So I'm just going to act like the baby. So again, you're going to try and just flip it on her that anytime, you know, she's acting like a big girl or make her the big girl. So make her your helper. Like, oh, wow, you are such a good helper. Can you go grab me a diaper? I love that you are my big helper. So you just keep reiterating that, you know, she is the big, the big kid. Um, Don't tell her, you know, we don't act like a baby. Don't do any of that because then it just draws attention to, you know, to the situation that you don't want to draw attention to. So you just want to find her acting like the big girl. And you can always kind of ignore if she's asking you a question and it's that whiny baby voice you don't want to hear. You can get right down on her level and say, I can see that you're acting, you know, you're talking like your sister. I love it when you talk like a big girl. Let's try and ask a question in a big girl voice. And so then you can ask her a question in a big girl voice. Then she can ask you a question in a big girl voice. So it kind of takes the attention away from acting like the baby. Or if she's just whining and crying and doing the the baby voice at you, you can always just kind of ignore that until it stops. And then you say, oh, I'm sorry, were you asking me something? Or, you know, go into it that way so that you're trying not to give attention to, you know, the baby talk, but yet you have to realize that that's kind of, she's doing that for a purpose. And she's not just doing it, you know, to be, to be a brat. She doesn't know that you think that's super bratty. She's just doing it because she thinks that's a way to get to you and get your attention, which, and her ultimate goal is to have attention with you. So I always tell parents of, you know, toddlers that have new babies to try and set aside 10 minutes. And if 10 minutes is too much and you're just like, you're drowning, try for five minutes a day of one-on-one time with your toddler and make it very direct. Make them know like, this is, you know, mommy and Mila time. This is mommy and, you know, Matthew time. What do you want to do for five minutes? So that it's just you and your child. A lot of times just giving them five to 10 minutes of undivided attention kind of clears up all these other behaviors that, that we see. Thank you. That's great advice. Sure. All right. The next, I think hardest part of the toddler years 
is potty training. It yeah. is, <laughs> you know, I remember going into it and everyone's like, oh, it can be so hard. And I think there's a little bit of like, not an ego, but kind of, you know, you're naive. Like, it can't be that bad. I mean, you know, someone taught me, you know, my mom taught me and I don't remember it being terrible, but it is really challenging. Um, and for me, I have two boys. And so the, the biggest question I had, and I researched a lot and I found some conflicting advice and I, this will sound so silly to someone who maybe doesn't have boys, but do you train them to go to pee standing up or sitting down? Perfect. That is a great question. And potty training is really my, my specialty. I'm actually just finishing up writing another potty training book for first time moms. It will be out in August. So, um, all you first time moms don't, don't worry. I'm, I'm here for you. I'm coming. Um, and I also already do have out my yes, you can potty training manual that takes you from readiness to success. Um, potty training boys. So this is probably, I get asked, a few main questions regarding potty training. This is one of them. I always would recommend you starting to potty train your son sitting down at first. And there's a few reasons why. Um, the first reason is it's a lot easier for them and it's a lot less that they have to think about. When your child is standing to pee, there's a lot that they have to focus on. They have to focus on, you know, making the urine go in the potty. They have to watch what is going on. They can't be distracted because you know, if you have a son and they are distracted while they're standing up, they turn their body and you have urine all over the bathroom. And it's like, no! <laughs> it's happened so, way too many yeah. times for me already. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, unless you want to start, you know, investing in serious Clorox wipes, Try having them sit at the beginning. And also, a lot of times at the beginning of potty training, kids, and this happens for both boys and girls, they think that they just have to pee. And once they start going pee, they notice, oh no, I actually have to poop also. So if your son is standing up, that presents a major problem. Um, you want him to feel comfortable so that if he is, you know, going pee and he realizes, oh, I need, I need to poop also, he's already seated. It's a no-brainer for him. So you really just want to make it as comfortable as possible for your son. And that being said, when they are having a bowel movement, and this goes for girls and boys, you really want to make sure that their feet are firmly planted. Either So if you have a small potty at home, their feet could be firm, firmly planted on the ground. If they're on the large toilet, you don't want their feet just dangling. I always tell parents, can you imagine if you just sat on this huge toilet that was like eight feet tall and you just had your feet dangling and you were trying to go to the bathroom? So you want their feet firmly planted so a dual size step stool can help with that. Um, and then in regards to boys also. So after a couple months um, of once they are confident and they're successful using the bathroom, they may start asking to, you know, pee standing up because a lot of times they'll see their dad or their brother or their cousin, you know, that they stand up to pee like, I, I want to do that also. If that happens, you can start transitioning them once they're comfortable and they're, they know the feeling in their body when it is time to pee and when it is time to poop. And they have great portable urinals now that I, I recommend starting with that are around $8 on Amazon. They have suction cups that so that you can adjust the height, the exact height that your son needs to start, you know, peeing successfully in the urinal and then transition them to the toilet. Oh my God, that's amazing. That's I'm not perfect. envious of you at all, Abby. <laughs> at all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad Listen, I have vaginas. I'm not yeah. envious of you. Boys are tough. And I think the, the, maybe the best piece of advice and maybe a question with this too, 
And I've learned, I tried at first because I thought maybe there, my son was showing signs he was ready. And I asked our pediatrician, you know, he's over, he's a little over two. Should I be worried? And he said, you know, with boys, it typically happens later and you really can't force a kid to potty train as hard as you try. If they're not ready, they won't do it. Absolutely. You what are, cannot force. I think the only, one of the things, the only things in life you cannot force a toddler to do is go to the bathroom. So if you have, and that's why I talk a lot about positive potty associations starting at a younger age, like 16 to 18 months before you're even thinking about potty training, we want your child to be as comfortable as possible with the toilet, with, you know, the words pee and poo, with body parts, with everything that goes along with you know, using the bathroom, you want that to be a normal part of their day before you enter into potty training. A lot of times, if you enter into potty training and you have really done no kind of work, leg work before going into potty training, your child may kind of dig their heels in. And if they start digging their heels in, there's not much you can do besides saying, we need to take a break. And taking a break does not mean you're failing. So for all the parents out there that need to take a break, taking a break can be completely a normal part of potty training. So don't feel that if you need to take a break and take a step back for a few weeks and just take the pressure off of your child, that you're failing at potty training or that your child is failing at potty training. They're absolutely not failing at potty training. They're just not there yet to realize, you know, there's a lot of muscle control. There's brain bladder development that goes into it to realize the feeling of holding and releasing. That is great advice. I have a question that is related to potty training and mm-hmm. some parents um, may struggle with poop. So yes. they have everything else down, they got the pee down, but their kid struggles with poop and may not even uh, mind having an accident when it comes to poop. How do we get past the poop struggle? Oh, I know. I swear, you know, shit just sometimes doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, So poop can be really difficult. I would say for about 30 to 40% of children that start to potty train. And a lot of times it's a fear of, it's either a fear that they have been constipated and they know that going poop has hurt before, or that they literally feel like the insides of their bodies is coming out when they go poop. And kids don't have that feeling when it comes to pee. So a lot of times they're just so reluctant to poop in this, you know, in this toilet, this kind of, you know, it's the water is far down and they don't know, like, are their insides going to come out also? So there's just a lot of fear behind learning to poop in the potty. A lot of kids are not ready to start going straight from, you know, never thinking about pooping and having a diaper on at all times. And it was just, it was comfortable. They didn't think about it too. There's no diaper and here's the toilet and good luck. So a lot of kids just need kind of some steps in between so that they can be successful, you know, poopers on the potty. Um, That being said, a, a lot of times it's just taking a step back. A lot of kids want privacy. So if you have a child and one of the biggest potty training readiness um, skills is you'll notice your child starting to hide to poop. If you have a child that's hiding to poop, that's amazing. A lot of parents think that that's a bad, you know, a bad sign. That's a great sign because that is showing you that your child knows the feeling of needing to poop and they have already probably seen maybe their dad who, you know, retreats to the office for you know 30 <laughs> minutes and you know has alone time which i'm not sure 
any mom has ever had 30 minutes of alone time and then they come out of the bathroom so kids start to associate oh okay i think pooping is a private thing so they'll hide to poop so if your child is doing that that's a great sign a lot of times kids will you want to, your child to associate that poop and pee happens in the bathroom if your child's not ready for that and they literally only want to poop you know in this one corner where they have been successful before bring them a small potty over, let them poop there, and then bring it back to the bathroom, let them dump it in the toilet. But you just wanna take the pressure off because poop can be so, so, so difficult. And I talk a lot about this in you know my manual, I talk a lot about it in the new book that's coming out, but if you've kind of tried everything to get your child to poop in the potty and they are still refusing, the last thing we want is for your child to get constipated because once your child get, gets constipated, it makes it so much more difficult for them. So take a step back, allow, if you need to, you can allow diapers in the bathroom for them to use to go poop because the number one thing you want, you just want to do is make the association that poop happens in the bathroom. And once they start making that association, it's a lot easier than you can, you know, have them sit on the small potty with the diaper on, then you can cut a hole in the diaper. So there's a lot of steps we can take so that it's not, you know, your child is holding their poop for, for two days. That's not what we want. Um, so we just want to take steps to kind of avoid constipation. There's a lot of foods um, you can give them to avoid constipation, you know, berries, um, avocado, avocado oil, coconut oil, um, you know, broccoli, flax seed, chia seeds, all of those. So if, if raspberries, pears and pear juice, a lot of kids love pear juice and that's a great food to kind of help everything move through the bowels. So that's really the first thing you want to look at is, okay, am I hydrating my child enough and am I giving them foods that have um, soluble, non-soluble fibers in them to move things, things through the bowels? Then, okay, what is the fear? What, what are, are they afraid of? Once you kind of tackle those, you can take steps toward towards getting them to start pooping on the potty. So I've noticed that my son will occasionally poop on the potty, um, but he, it seems like he likes to wait until nap time or bedtime because that is when he wears a pull-up still. Uh-huh. And and even I'll notice too, like in the mornings, if he hasn't pooped, he'll definitely have peed throughout the night. And so, you know, we've been potty trained for almost a year and I'm not, you know, forcing it, but I'm starting to think, how are we going to start the process of evening potty training? And I've read things from like waking your kids up every 90 minutes to, you know, they'll figure it out on their own and everything in between. What, what do you recommend? Okay. So this is definitely besides poop. I think this is the number one question I get asked And the, the reason I started researching potty training is because I was seeing a trend about six to seven years ago that was going from diapers to cutting diapers, cold turkey, daytime, nighttime, no way. We're just, that's it. You're, you're in underwear only. And I kept thinking, I don't know if this could be, this could be good for a lot of two or three year olds. And so I started talking to a lot of urologists up at Children's Hospital Los Angeles. I started talking, talking to pediatricians and a lot of kids are not able to be potty trained overnight at age two, three, four, five, even six years old. So, and there's, there's a lot that has to happen with brain bladder development. So a lot of this is not your child's fault at all. They have no control over nighttime wetting. 
um, there's a huge genetic factor in this. So if you or your partner were um, a later night wetter, your child has a much higher chance of being a later night, late, later night wetter. So, um, and also as, you know, a sleep consultant, I know the importance of sleep on a toddler's developing brain is so much more important than trying to force and push overnight potty training. So when you go into potty training, really look at it as two different kind of segments. You have daytime potty training and you have nighttime potty training. And when you go into potty training, you are focused on daytime hours, waking hours. Nighttime, it's not behavioral for kids. A lot of times they don't have any control. If they're a deeper sleeper. They're not gonna have any control over, you know, over their bladder. So take the pressure off, let them wear their overnight um, diapers. As soon as you start potty training, I always say to switch the terminology to sleep pants, just so you don't confuse your child and get a different look of diaper. So if you were using Huggies, try Pampers or Honest Kids or you know a different look and you call them sleep pants and you want your child to be sleeping soundly. So do not start waking your child up every 90 minutes. Um, if Anybody has ever tried that, they will probably tell you it created a monster because then the child was like, this is amazing. I'm just going to say, I need to go to the bathroom 800 times during the night. Or, you know, you're going to wake up and your child's going to be staring at you at 2 a.m. because you started waking them up. So let your child sleep. Do not worry about nighttime, you know, potty training. Nap, nap potty training will usually happen first. When your child stays dry for five to seven days, try underwear. Um, until then, let them sleep so that at night you can have your glass of wine, you can have your cup of tea, you can have whatever you want and watch Netflix and watch Bravo um, and not worry about your child in overnight potty training. God, this was so helpful. I feel... <laughs> I feel like this was like something I should have listened to before I even had kids. I mean, the, like the advice that you give and just the recommendations are so, for me, having lived it are things that like, I know I'm like, I could easily have done that. You know, like you said, like waking them up every 90 minutes, like no mom wants to do that once a kid is finally sleeping. So this is all, I feel like really reasonable and things that could be implemented by everyone, regardless of your parenting style. Yeah. And well, and I love talking about, I love toddlers. A lot of people, I mean, they call me like the crazy, the crazy toddler lady, but I love working with toddlers and I love working with moms. Um, I think that just toddlers are so fun and their personalities are so wild and they're so curious and, and yes, they can be, you know, little devils sometimes, but that's what kind of makes them even more fun. So I love trying to figure out their personalities and what makes them, what works with them and what, really sets them off. And, you know, as, as, as moms, once we get a kid on a good sleep routine, there is nothing that I would do to disrupt that sleep routine. If you, you know, if at all possible. Absolutely. Well, Megan, this has been such a great pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Can you please remind everyone how they can learn more about potty training? I mean, I feel like we can talk to you all day. Um, if you can mention your social, um, if someone wants to learn more, um, how can they find you? Absolutely. Thank you again so much for having me. I would love to, I could talk about all this all day long. So um, you can find my Instagram handle has a lot of tips and tricks. I've answered over 650 toddler questions through, you know, over the last five years. So you can find me on Instagram and at Megan underscore toddler shop. You, um, you can click on, you know, in my bio, there's links to, um, 
both my potty training website, which is pottyshoponc.com. I also am at sleepshoponc.com backslash toddler shop. So those are the three ways to kind of get in touch with me. Um, I do have, I have a 50 page toddler sleep guide out. I have a toddler nap transition guide going from two to one to, you know, zero naps. I also have my Yes You Can potty training manual. So I've got, I've got all, all things toddlers for, for all you moms. Well, again, thank you so much. We love talking with you and we will be sure to tag you. So anyone listening, um, go to our Instagram and we'll tag Megan um, as well as uh, share some of the advice that she's given on this podcast. But Megan, thank you so much. Well, thank you both. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful soothing jets and all your stress seems to melt away like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment.